Hey, good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. I just love it. I love our church. So much enthusiasm, so much excitement. Uh, the hubs, I, I think our time in the hub this morning, this is when our volunteers come together. Uh, you know, probably about maybe 8.30 and 10.30 every morning as we come together and prepare to serve. So much excitement in there. Uh, the, 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 the presentation of food, and we're talking chocolate chip pancakes, we're talking certain meats and eggs, and we just have our, it's amazing, it's an amazing time of people coming together and exciting and, and enthusiastic about coming out to, to serve you and, and to serve this community for the sake of the kingdom, it, it, it really, wow, uh, I think today just we took it to a whole nother level in there, and I'm, it's just spilling over in me, it has nothing to do with my sermon, I think, I don't know, I'll fit in there somewhere, anyway. So uh, a few years back, I'm at a conference, and uh, the conference was purposed to kind of e- to bring together, equip, and train, teach uh, those men and women who uh, were considering planting a church. Now, I was there to support a, a friend of mine who was uh, scheduled to speak. That was, we thought that was pretty uh, cool, very um, honorable, right? And I thought I'd go there. I, had a, I was about five years in. Uh, and planting, so I, I didn't really fall in that category anymore, but I wanted to go there. I was excited for him and, and wanted to support him, and then thought maybe we'd go out and catch lunch together. We have lunch together. And he, he was also excited about it, and he had shared that with me. So he starts to share with that group of people at the conference, and um, I'm listening to him, and then oh, something starts to uh, creep up in me. A thought comes to me. It's followed by another thought. Uh, some are fleeting, and then start, some of these thoughts start to settle in, you know? And, and what's happening is the thought that's coming to me is why did they choose him and not me? How come I'm not up there speaking and he is? I mean, I, I've got it a very successful church plant, and I'm doing well. Why they, they didn't recognize me and, and put me up there to speak, right? And, I, and, and it, it becomes so prominent that I notice it, and now I'm trying to, like, you know, put it to the side. But what's happening is it's distracting me, and little by little, that excitement that I felt for the moment and for him and my happiness that I, that I was sharing with him was draining. And, and, and the more prominent thought kept coming to me, what about me? Why didn't they ask me, right? And instead of being in the moment and of happiness and excitement, I'm now more or less detracted and distracted and spending even as much as or more time in this what about me moment. Now, studies have shown that public speaking is one of the biggest fears known to people in this country. So perhaps you'd be glad that they didn't choose you to get up and speak in front of a group of people, right? So maybe it's not public speaking, you know, that would get you to say, what about me? But maybe it would be that promotion at work, what about me? That recognition in a, in a, in a certain family, the way a family functions, you know, how come that sibling or that was recognized, what about me? Huh? Maybe in the church, it, it, it maybe out in a community of friends, a group of friends. What about me? Why wasn't I recognized, huh? Maybe uh, you'll be going through, I don't know, Facebook scrolling through or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever else you use versus actually speaking to people in person. Uh, 
you'll be kind of going through that. And I think we're in like a heightened season for that stuff because, you know, people are graduating and people are, you know, you know getting out ready to go on their vacations. And, and you're seeing that, like, wow, this one graduated, for, you know, this, and, and they're no recognizing more. This one's going on vacation here or doing that. And, and, and what about me? Huh? C.S. Lewis describes this way of thinking. He says it, that voice is you and I, now, C.S. Lewis, by the way, I just want to pause and just, he, he's, a, he's a Christian theologian. Uh, he's passed on, uh, and you might know him for, he authored The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Those movies were based on his books. He probably never thought he'd be known so much for those books, uh, but he's also a tremendous Christian theologian. And he says, describing this voice that comes to us again and again, why me? He says, that voice is you and I. We all have something within us, this ruthless, unceasing, unsmiling concentration on self. Why, why isn't someone paying attention to me? Why am I not getting recognized? And it's this internal frown that develops within us. It turns happiness into sadness. One moment, I'm happy to share in a friend's time of speaking to a group of people, and the next moment, it's like, why wasn't I chosen? Now, it doesn't matter the circumstances. This voice will be there. Now, what is this voice? The Bible calls it pride. It's pride. Pride is the one voice that we can see more clearly in others, but we struggle to see in ourselves, huh? And when we see it in other people, we don't like it at all. And yet, when we see it on ourselves, it doesn't seem like it's that bad, right? Now, sometimes you might, what you're seeing in other people is pride. You just don't have that label on it. But that's what it is. Pride is the one sin that if we don't lessen it, minimize it in our lives, it's going to destroy us. Pride destroys lives, huh? At least if you take heaven and hell seriously, there's no question about it. Definitively, pride will destroy you, huh? If it gets the best of it, if it rules you, it will lead you to damnation and destruction, right? But for some, we're so prideful, we don't even think that's going to happen. We don't even contemplate that. We don't even dwell there or go there. Pride is like denial, right? When you say you don't have it, it's when you probably have it the most, huh? Now, pride is odorless, it's tasteless, and yet when you, you breathe it in, it kind of suffocates you. Pride is the, this ruthless, unceasing concentration on the self. Pride is making everything about me. So that's my introduction. And I want to pause, and I want to ask you to hang in there with me for the rest of the sermon. I don't want you to check out. I want you to believe that God has called you here this morning to do a work in you, a transformative, life-changing, drawing you closer to him work in you. I want you to have a soft heart and an open mind. I don't want you to think, oh, 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 this is a great sermon for so-and-so, and oh, this, this is a sermon that so-and-so has to hear. If you think that's the case, we record them. You can tell them to go Tuesday on the site. They can listen to it. But right now, I want you to stay with me, okay? I want you to say, you know what? I'm right now, I pause, and I'm going to, with God's help, 
just glean. I'm going to grab something out of this. I'm going to really mine and dig to see how does this apply to me in my life, not only comprehensively, but is there a particular area right now in my life that this really is so applicable to, okay? Like, meaning, what does that mean? That God would right now have something to say to you supernaturally, divinely, powerfully in your life today. Can you do that for me? We're in week two of a sermon series on the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot, and we've been going through this because, as we say, you're going into the summer, these summer months, and as a people in this country and culture, we have a tendency to kind of get a little flexible and, you know, flipping about some of those habits and disciplines, and we, by the time we come out on the other end of the summer, we can kind of be in a pretty not-so-good place, right? You know, once we start to get kind of reoriented with uh, life as it is. We don't want to do that. We want to grow through the summer. We want to thrive through the summer. We want to make good decisions in the summer. We want to come out healthier in our finances, our relationships, and all of life. Most of all, we want to come out closer to God, right? Not farther away from God. We don't want to come out of the summer in a deficit in relationships, in our bank accounts, and in our relationship with God, and then spend all the way to January trying to catch up and feel different regrets. We want to have an awesome God-glorifying summer, Yes. So now Proverbs has a good amount. All, these, all those things you're seeing up there, all from Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about pride. And Proverbs has a lot to say about the antidote for pride, which is, and that's good news, there's an antidote, and that antidote is humility. Now I want to talk to you first about what, what Proverbs says about pride. And it's a bit ugly. It's a bit daunting, you know. And, and, and I get that because I'm a prideful man. I am. It's something that I battle with. It's what kept me from God. It's what kind of facilitated me running, spurred me running from God. I carried it into my coming to know God, and I have been continually working it out through the years. And the sooner I recognized it, some time ago, I might get to that, the more I was able to address it aggressively. A lot of what you see in me and how I minister and how I am in my kind of what people call my vulnerability and my transparency. It's just me really continually kind of going after that pride and trying to keep it less than more in Dave Trelongo. So what Proverbs, what we see in Proverbs is it brings to us the reality that pride is destructive. It's very destructive. Huh? Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So the, the Bible is telling us that, okay, so the end result of pride is destruction. Right? It's, gonna, it's like a tornado. It destroys everything in its path gradually, and then it just takes you with it. And, and ultimately, human pride is the focus on oneself, seeing oneself greater than God. I mean, that's what happened. Lucifer what we know, who we know is Satan more commonly, said, I'm greater than God. I'm to be recognized and honored more than God. And he rebelled against God. And then this battle between good and evil, heaven and hell, began. I'm grateful that we win and Jesus wins and we have victory in Jesus, right? Who what? Who humbled himself, that did not consider himself to be equal with God, even though he was... He wouldn't even grasp that, but yet humbled himself even to death on a cross for you and I. Philippians chapter 2. Huh? Humility, pride. Satan, pride. Jesus, humility. The victories in Jesus. Now, 
And that, that, that's the comprehensive, that's the big picture. That's the 30,000 square foot, but incredibly most important and applicable part of this. If we drill it down a bit, huh? how does that play out in our lives, right? What areas of our lives take the biggest hit after our salvation, most important, then how does that kind of domino into our lives? And it's our relationships. Our relationships take the biggest hit when pride manifests and is most evident in our lives, right? Proverbs describes pride as a haughty spirit, meaning that's like a what about me attitude. That's a what about me approach to life, huh? Proverbs 21.4 says, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. So what is happening here is it's when we, we're looking at life and we're looking up and we see ourselves better than others, right? We're, we're looking at life mostly to, and when I say we see ourselves better, meaning we, our thoughts, our views, where we are, are more prominent, more important, deserve more attention than anyone else. It doesn't mean that I think I'm so much greater and better than you. It means my opinion, my hurt, my want, my need, where I am is more important than you. More important than you celebrating that accomplishment. Yeah, you have no idea what I've been through and what I'm going through. And this, it's me. Yeah, you know, you worked all day. Me, me. Every single thing I see for, how's it affecting me? What am I going to get out of it? What are my wants, my needs? How's it going to project into my future? How they're seeing me? It's just me. I'm insecure. I'm angry. I want to be successful. I, I should have been more in life. How does my mother see me? It's just all about me. Everything comes through that light. That's the lamp. That's the light that puts me to that path. That's the lens. I see it all through that lens. I am filled with pride. And that's a pride that is sinful in the eyes of God, which is intended to bring us to a place of apart from God, which is intended to bring us destruction. Now, why is it so destructive? Why is pride, or one of the reasons that it's so destructive, is it prevents you from going in a better direction? Because we're talking about this path and this way of going, instead of joy and gladness and eternity, sadness, despair, discouragement, and destruction, you see, what pride does is it hinders you from being corrected, from going in a better direction. That's what it does. It, it, def- it, it kind of deflects and deters you from receiving and having good correction. And this is something that I suffered from personally in life a lot. You see, pride doesn't listen and pride doesn't learn. I want you to hear that today. Pride doesn't listen and pride doesn't learn. Pride protects oneself, the person that it's taken residence. And why? Because the Bible says that A proud person has a haughty spirit. They're seeing their situation as their most important. They're looking and they're only seeing what's going on within themselves. So they're not apt to receive correction from anybody. (laughs) Excuse me. And and I would do that. If if I thought you liked me and affirmed me or with me, I'd love you. I really, I'd go to the death for you. But if if you started bringing correction into my life, then I would begin to distance myself and really just not like you. I did not handle that well. And so what happens is we keep making the same mistakes, we keep doing the same things wrong because we're not getting that correction. 
that we so need, that needs to come from us from people who love us and who care for us. And by the way, it can come from us from people who don't love and don't care for us. I might jump into that. See, what happens when we're filled with pride, we see our opinions as more valuable than other person's opinions. Our view is more comprehensive and more complete and more accurate than another person's view, right? It's hard, meaning in a sense we're looking down on them. I know, I know, it's not that we think we're so much better than them, but you really do. Meaning, you're more worthy of recognition. What you're going through is more prominent than anything they have to say. Your history is so much more, you know, this is so much more unique and, and whatever it is. That it's, so it's, at the end of the day, you just know more. You're more qualified to handle this and navigate this better than what they're telling you. That's what happens. It's pride. Huh? And so in a sense, we're looking down on, we're diminishing what they're bringing into our life. Huh? We have, such, we have this bigger view of ourselves, meaning it, 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 it's all we see, that we don't hear the correction that people are bringing us to instruct us that would be helpful to help us turn in another direction. I mean, you want to go in a different direction, right? I, I carried this to different degrees. I mean, it lessened, but it was there to a point where it was a season before I planted a church, about two years, and um, I really had stepped out of ministry. So maybe two to three years I was out of ministry, and I think I was deciding that I wasn't going back into ministry, you know? And a friend of mine, he's on the board, Nick Serban, he called me up, he said, listen, you know what? Hey, why don't you come down to Tennessee for a bit? He's got a church in Franklin there, pretty cool, not large, but really dynamic church there. He said, why don't you come on down? And hang out with me for a few days. We'll, you know, go out to eat. And you can speak on Sunday in the church. And um, I said, you know what? Sure. Hey, why not? He goes, Dave, I'll take care of it. So uh, I fly down in there. Uh, you know, we, we start going out, having a good time in the restaurants. And, and during this time, he, uh, he sits down and he's talking to me. And, and I'm answering him. And finally, he looks at me. And he just, <laughs> this is the best way to do it. He just, you can see a look of frustration comes across his face, and he takes this, like, piece of paper. He rolls up, he goes, and he goes, this is you. He goes, you, you just have tunnel vision. He says, Dave, you, you, just, you just see everything the way you want to see it. Just right, like, just a really narrow tunnel, he says. He goes, you just hear what you want to hear. You just, you just, you just think you know best. And the guy loves me. I mean, he I mean, takes out three days of his week, paying for everything. Gives me his church to speak to, and I did. He did still let me go and speak, and we love each other. We have affections for each other, and he's just trying to speak in my life. And by the way, what are we saying is, hey, Dave, I, I love you. I'm just trying to bring some correction and criticism into your life because I believe it's going to help you dearly. And I'm thinking, hey, Nick, you know what? No, I'm thinking, Nick. I mean, obviously, I don't think I'm better than him. I'm not even in ministry. Kind of a challenging time in my life, and he's doing well, and Franklin, everything's okay. I don't think I'm better than him, but you know, in a sense, I did. Meaning, he doesn't, know, he, he doesn't know everything. He doesn't have that much insight. I know more. I have more insight. I know my situation. Yeah, yeah, I, I got that. And as he's saying things, I'm deciphering, interpreting, filtering to bring it to a place where it's going to hold to my pride, right? That's what's happening. You see, I'm being prideful. I'm recognizing myself, my wants, my needs, my path, my thought of future and orientation. That's pride. The opposite of pride is humility. Humility knows we are not the wisest and most important person in the room. Right? Humility knows that we're just one person in this process of growth and change. We're only human, right? 
and that we're learning, and day by day we're getting better in every way. And it's okay to make a mistake and to be struggling and to not know everything. And here's an opportunity to learn and to grow and to glorify God, right? Because in our weakness, he is strong. In our weakness, he is strong. Like, really, it says that. We believe that. But Price says, no, 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 no. I'm not weak. And, and even if, or I'm so weak, that's all I see is my weakness, and that's most important, and that's what I'm going to recognize. No matter which angle you come at it, it's the same thing. It's pride. We're not recognizing God. We are recognizing ourselves. We are honoring ourselves and not honoring God, and it's the opposite of humility. And humility knows we need help from others to change. Humility knows that we can't see our own blind spots, right? And so it's probably not a good thing to step out immediately and try and deflect and fight criticism, huh? Now, when I talk about criticism, let, let me just, I should have said this earlier, I don't mean someone speaking to you in a deplorable, degrading way. No, that's unacceptable. I tell my kids, I speak to you when we counsel, never accept somebody speaking to you in a deplorable, degrading way. Unacceptable, right? Now, And most of the time, I'd imagine some of that criticism is just not going to be applicable. But here's the thing. What I've learned to do, never accept people speaking to me like that. And sometimes people come to me, they might not speak deplorably and degrading, but they will, will speak to me in kind of a disrespectful way, if you will. What I do is I, I, I manage the two. So I'm, if I'm on my game, I'll kind of deflect and put aside their disrespect And if it's in a place where I don't have to stop and immediately address it, right? Which you could do. But I want to get to what they're saying. I'm I'm trying hard not to devalue and dismiss what they're saying, you know? Because there might be something there. And then what I do is, uh, if I can, I answer it there. If I can, I take it to counsel. Like one counsel, no. Two, no. Four, no. Five, no. Six, no. If it's important, seven to ten people, I'll take that to counsel. And I want to hear what they're saying. Hey, this person has said this, or this person talked to me about this. Share with me what's going on here. Let me tell you, and they'll ask me questions. And they'll ask me questions, in a sense, not being cynical or distrustful, but making sure I'm not just giving them my version of it. Because they'll see the gaps in the voice. Like, well, Dave, how come this? And really, well, Dave, why that? And I know what they're doing. They're, they're, They're drawing out the picture. And what I'm doing now is, and I know I want to hear the criticism. I want to hear the critique because I'm going to be a better pastor. I'm going to be a better father and a better husband because of it. And, and it's never failed. No, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I enjoy it. I enjoy the fruit of it. I enjoy the other end of this, of being humble. If I'm on my game, I'm considering the other person before themselves. Hey, if I hurt you, hey, forgive me. Hey, I care about you. Hey, I'm, I'm always trying to do this because I know I've got, I want it. The closer I lean towards humility, and I might not, boom, hit the target, but that's where I want to go towards, humility, holding. That's where we want to go to, trying all we can to consider the other person. Consider it. Jonathan Edwards has this saying, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I'll get to it. But what he says is, he, he says that when you're receiving criticism, albeit, even if it's not coming to you in the best way, uh, he says, dig 
until you can find the kernel of truth to make sure that you might even find a kernel of truth which is going to be to your benefit. It's just so true. It's not where we are. It's not where we prefer to be, but it's just so true. And here's the thing is, it's a posture. It's a condition. If this is where you are, you're more inclined to, to, re, to be in a humble place, to consider others before yourself. And meaning, whether it's friendships, marriages, relationships with your kids, it's just so important. I want to just see something here. I'll do it now. Here, Proverbs 3.10. It says, listen, a prideful person is far more concerned with changing their circumstances than other people than being changed themselves. You see that? A prideful person is more concerned with changing others than changing themselves. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. So wherever you see conflict, you're going to see pride. Always. And often in marriages. And I'm telling you here, listen, I spend a lot of my time dealing with people and with health issues. Any, I, I, any given day, I, any given day, I'm praying or talking to somebody about a health situation. And any given week, at least a couple of times a week, I'm working through a situation with people's marriages. And if really, if you kind of bring in the ongoing ones, it's every day. Nothing brings more pain into people's lives as, as, as in relationship. It's, it's just true. And that's one of the things is because we, we, you know, to the extent we love somebody, it's to the extent that they can bring hurt to us. Kind of how God made us. And what I'm telling you with is right here. The great pain is pride. Is that you have two people in a relationship and one person just values their view and their opinion and where they are more than another. One person believes their wants and their needs and their desires are more prominent than another. One person wants to be recognized. This is the massive problem. The first service I took this and I banged it on my head several times. Listen, me and Christy are susceptible to this. We've experienced this. We still visit this from time to time, but we know that the victory in this is humility, where we will consider one another before ourselves. We will not succumb to this pride where, hey, you know what? What I value is more importantly what she values. And where she's coming from isn't as important as where I'm coming from. And my opinion is more important and more valid than her opinion. And I'm tired of not being recognized and I want to be recognized. That's pride. And this causes so much pain because after time we actually begin to communicate through this. Everything the other person's saying is being filtered, interpreted through this way of thinking. So now we jump to conclusions before we even begin to conversate on a subject. We already are at a slant on how we're going to hear that person. We already have a predetermined understanding or think we do of where they're coming from. And what we're doing is we're diminishing them, huh? We're devaluing them. We're thinking of us more than ourselves and we're recognizing us and we're putting ourselves in a higher place. And that's pride. And humility would have his pause and thinking, okay, why? Like I mucked up this week, and I realized, although I was, I think still, that I was in the right place when this happened. I was, kind of, right, sort of. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and so, but the way 
I came out, it was wrong. And meaning sometimes you could, you know, you think you're right, and there might be a point, and maybe you, you, there's reason to be offended, and it didn't go, but the question is why? I mean, instead of just turning around and saying, you know, you shouldn't have did this, and you did this again, and, and why didn't you do that? Or I'm unhappy about this. How about why did this happen? Let me pause and think about the other person. Why is this happening? What don't I understand about this? How can I come alongside them? What can I do for them? This is humility, yes? This is where we see God's strength in this situation. So, look. When we allow pride to come into our lives, jobs are lost, life is disrupted, relationships are hurt, and you'll see this. You you know, I'm watching a clock here. So when, as parents, if we live out our lives and we allow pride to, to be more prominent than it should, then what happens is we miss our kids in this way. Our kids likely are gonna be critical of us, right? I mean, you have this situation in your home where kids are critical of you and you have situations at home, correct? See, it's just us, Christy, just me and you. These kids have awesome kids, Christy, what the heck are we doing? Our kids are critical of us. We're screwing up in our home. We're making mistakes. I mean, you guys are, <laughs> it's just us, baby. You have those conversations where you're talking to your child and you have a sense that they're kind of thinking they know more than you or you suspect they're being critical of you. And then they might speak and share that. And, and we can prone to be defensive, to jump on it, to, to push it back. You have no idea what we went through. You, you have no idea all that's going involved. And what we're doing is we're not valuing them. We're not hearing them. We're seeing ourselves and recognizing ourselves. We're not recognizing. We're not hearing that criticism. And going back to before, hey, you know what? We need to hear that criticism often. We really want to. Not only to understand them, but perhaps in that criticism is something good. Most of the time when my children have criticized me, there's something good there. That they have seen something in my life. Yes, I want them to articulate it in a, in a you know, respectful way in a godly way. If they're not, I want to pause and say, man, that, that's still wrong, but have I provoked them to this place? But I want to hear the criticism from them. I invite them to bring criticism into their father's lives. In the last two years now, I invite my children to bring criticism to me. I want to hear it. I want to hear it from them. I want to hear it from my wife. Am I good at this? No. Am I getting better? Truly, Yes. Do we have a lot more of it than we did in the past? Much, much more. Mom, dad, grandparents, think right now. Be humble. Consider those that God has placed in your life. Hear the criticism. Don't be prideful. Don't think of yourself. And by the way, when you're thinking of yourself, you're pounding yourself, the mistakes you made. Well, you know, that's what's happening. You're just, you're so focused on yourself, on your hurts, on your mistakes, and what you want to do differently. Get out of that and think of them first. Humble yourself and think of others first. And know that you doing this is not an act of your human self, but it's a supernatural act of God in you, right? You're honoring God when you do this. And when you don't, it's pride, huh? 17 years ago, I did something that set me on a trajectory that will last out the rest of my life. I will spend the rest of my life battling pride. And I don't, like I said, I'm not talking about an arrogance. I'm, I'm talking about just a, 
perpetual focus from so many different angles on myself can play out where I'm only looking at my limitations. It can play out where what people are going to think of me. It can play out with arrogance. It plays out in all different ways. And somebody brought this to my attention <coughs> and with somebody I loved. As so 17 years ago, maybe 16, 15 to 17 years ago, I did something. I sat down and I wrote a letter to five people who I thought cared about me and I could trust and knew me. And I asked them, could you please send me back a letter in response to this, listing what you think are my admirable traits and the things that you think are very good to me and you admire or like. I said, then could you also list and state those things in me that you think are my faults, that are not attractive and you think are you know, somewhat you know, weaknesses. I said, please take this part seriously. It's just very important for me. So please be as honest and open as you can. I sent it out to five people. Do you know that when those five letters came back, as far as the affirmative, good, kind things, they were kind of all over the place. I mean, you know, each one kind of had this different list. There might have been a couple of, um, you know, uh, connections, similarities, but it really was a, a, a variation. When it came to the faults and weaknesses, things that weren't, they were all very similar. Yeah. And by the way, one of those five, I, this meant so much to me that one of those five persons I sent it out was my mother-in-law. So you know, man, you're yielded to God when you send your mother-in-law that letter, right? There you go. That's how much I believed in this. To live from a place of humility, to welcome the criticism, to slay the pride and to put the pride aside, right? Look, I have a lot of ideas, and they could be wrong. I have a lot of ways of interpreting things, and they could be wrong, huh? I've learned to receive criticism. I've learned to receive correction. Always the best way, no. Christy does a great job in leveling me off. In the end, I know that's where I, I've got to bring it to humility. I've got to bring it to humility. Listen, pride can be destructive, because I know pride is destructive. I know it could hurt my relationships. I know it's going to bring out the worst of me. I know it's going to hinder me from obtaining or participating in these opportunities that God has for me. Pride can be destructive in me because it's going to cause me to belittle others who I love. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 12 says, it is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. Okay, here's it. Humility honors another person. Pride belittles other people. It's another way of telling you what I have been telling you, right? Humility holds a person high. Pride, when you're belittling somebody, just keeps them down, looks down on them. We do this. We do this even as a lot as believers, you know, from a, a place of being kind of haughty in religion and, and what we believe in and, and in some, and these moral standards that we can be kind of haughty and we can look down on people. It's one of the things that I think turns a lot of people off to Christianity. It's one of the things that I resist a lot because I was on the outside looking in for many years, right? To think that we are in a higher place and a better place more knowledgeable, more astute, more collectively having it together, and then to look down and belittle somebody. We might do it in a way that we're kind of composed, and we might articulate it well, but our thoughts and our actions convey this truth. We're looking down on you. We're looking down on your politics, your religion, your race, 
your sexual orientation. We're looking down on you. We're better than you. And this is pride. We're not talking, uh, this is pride. This is not, humility says, I'm thinking of you before myself. And when you play it out this way, at first it seems really like you're apprehensive to that. I'm telling you, look at how Jesus lived his life. Dig into that good Samaritan. Look at how he did that. Look at Jesus when he talks about the Pharisee and a tax collector. It's a powerful moment of his teaching. And he's talking about this religious leader, this, this Pharisee, coming before God and saying, and then this tax collector who is despised by Jewish people because they saw this person as a betrayer of their own, someone who robbed from their own people to work with and cooperate with the Romans who are oppressing them. And says, here's these two men standing before God. And the Pharisee says, God, thank you that I am not like this tax collector. That I give and I pray and I do all these proper things that you, these religious things and these rules and laws. Some of them good. Some of them God's called us to do. I do all this. I'm glad I'm not like him. And then Jesus and the tax collector stood there and beat just before God and said, God, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me, God, I'm a sinner. And Jesus says the Pharisee, he didn't meet God. But the tax collector, he met God that day. The, what he's saying is the Pharisee is prideful. He's prideful. It's a religious pridefulness. He's thinking of himself, how who he is is bent on that. He's better than this person and looking down on that person. And that's where he gets his, psych, my word, psychological and emotional strength. I'm better than them. That person didn't meet with God, Jesus says. But this person here is saying, man, I'm a sinner. God have mercy. I need help. They met with God. They were humble. Do you hear me? Be humble. When you're humble and you're thinking of another person, you're going to be happier. And when you're not humble and you're prideful and you're thinking only of yourself, I promise you, you're not going to be as happy. Test me on that. Try and grasp those thoughts. I'm always happier when I'm thinking of somebody else. Even in conflicts and confrontations, when I'm getting all distorted and upset, I'm caught up in myself, I'm miserable. I'm thinking miserable. When I come to a place of just relief and calmness and, 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 and humility and I start thinking of them more than myself, and I put things out on that path, I feel so much better. Because he is strong in my weakness, right? I don't know where I am. Humility. We have this day called Memorial Day because men and women saw others of worthy of life more than themselves. And they gave their lives so that we could be here today. And we're so grateful and thankful for those who were humble, not prideful, and considered others before themselves and gave their lives. And that's why we're here today and we have the freedoms we do. We, we do. All right, so we want to have, the Bible talks about us having the fear of God. It, it even talks about in Proverbs, I'm jumping all over the place, about having, it says Proverbs 15, 13 says, Wisdom, instruction is fear to the Lord, and humility comes before honor. You see, when we, when we hear this word, fear God, fear the Lord, it's kind of, it's, we're a little apprehensive to it. We, we, we don't like that, or we're uncomfortable with it. God is love, God is our friend, God is our comfort. We, we don't want to fear God. What it's, what it's talking about here is when we fear God, we're coming to God, it's, it's talking about humility, right? See, the Bible tells us the way to receive honor 
is to become humble. You hear that one where, see, let me try and tie this together. When we go before God with the fear of God or the fear of the Lord, we are humbling ourselves now. That's what we're doing. We are putting our pride aside and we are humbling ourselves. When we do that, the Bible says that God lifts us up. When we submit ourselves to the mighty hand of God, he lifts us up. God now begins to honor us. We receive honor by being humble. This past week, we did the GCAC banquet, okay? We had over, it was the largest group of volunteers and staff that they ever brought. Over a hundred and something people came from the GCAC banquet. And we humbled ourselves. We thought of them before ourselves, right? Our volunteers serve their volunteers. And they see that and they're blown away by that. And they're thinking, wow, you really care for us. And they expressed it many times in so many words. We were humbled to them and they honored us, huh? And that's what happens in your relationships, and that as you humble yourselves to those around you, as you consider them before yourself, over time you will be honored in their thoughts. You'll be honored in life. But most of all, you'll have the greater happiness in life. Listen, and what it is is humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's thinking of others more. C.S. Lewis calls this the state of blessed the blessed state of forgetfulness. I can't believe he's got that up there because I'm all over the place. I'm pretty impressed with that. All right, let's close this out. It's 12, 11. Look, see, humble people are interested in other people. Why don't you come on up? I'll, I'll find a way to close it out. Humble people are interested in other people. My son, Justin, uh, yesterday we went out to uh, Westfield uh, State Uni- uh, University College and we watched my son run for the last time ever in track. And if it's a sermon in itself, the history, the concussion, the time, and now he got back on the team, and, and then we didn't think he would. He didn't think he would. He wound up making states, which is when they select a group of kids uh, from a, a certain district of probably 74 different high schools and certain events, and he got selected and qualified for two events, and this was awesome. He runs the first one, 400-meter hurdles. He says, that's pretty good. And now here he is, this is it. He's going to run the 110 hurdles. It's the ending of us watching our son run in high school. And he gets ready. I'm now with Christy. Christy's got the thing out. And he starts going. I'm like thanking God. And he's running. And you know what? Why don't you just watch it? You know what? Let's put it up there quick. All right. He's the second in from the top right. He's got the uh, headband on, white headband. He's second in from the right. Here he goes. He's flying. He's doing He's hanging in his own there. Watch this now. Ready? Here we go. Boom. Get forward in his lane. <laughs> All right. Close it. There was this like, whoa. Kid falls in his lane. He gets discombobulated. He's got to shift gears. For athletes who know, I mean, that's like a lot happening quickly. You just, this stuff is run by like seconds, like point something of 100 seconds. He gets shot over out of his lane. He's got to come back in his lane. The kid jumps up. When he jumps up, pretty athletic himself, goes and jumps, actually hits his hurdle before he gets there. Down on the bottom, you can't see it, knocks his hurdle forward. Now he doesn't know what he's jumping over. Really just messes up his whole race, messes up the race. And I'm like, I can't, I, this is it. This is how it's going to end. His last race just so screwed up. And, uh, you know, so he finishes. We see him talking to his coach. His coach is talking to, you know, the people. He comes over, and uh, I walk up to him, and I'm like, uh, I've got that type 
I got that, uh, and I said, so uh, did the kid say anything to you? And he looks at me, and uh, he says, actually, no, I, I walked up to him before he got to me. So I said, well, what did you say to him? He says, uh, he goes, well, I put my arm on him, and I told him, hey, uh, you know, it's tough out there, good race. It's tough out there, good race. And then I, I got this, like, tight-lipped look, like Jim Murphy. <laughs> like, you know, it's... <laughs> and, and in that moment, I'm having that pride and humility battle. Because I, I, want, I want to say something, man. Like, what the heck is wrong with this kid? Stay down. <laughs> and I know what he, my son is doing is godly and good and right because it's humility. He, he's thinking of this other person more than himself. Hey, I've messed up. I've screwed up. I know what it's like, especially in front of all of these people. Hey, it's okay, you know? And I, and, and I, I looked at him kind of like, don't pay attention to the face. <laughs> know the heart. You, and I just said, you did good. You, Justin, uh, you did good, man, and, and it's going to resonate in me. That, that was a very wonderful thing to do, you know? And of course, his mother was happy with him from the beginning, so let's close this out. Listen, I want to let you know this. Here's, here's the paradox. We all want to be honored. We all want to be recognized. And God made us that way. It's okay. God made us to want to be recognized. God made us to be honored. So much so, he fit that. He satisfied that with the giving of his son Jesus on the cross to die for our sins that we would have eternal life. He honored us. You have never been and you will never be more honored and more recognized than when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave his life for you. You've got to believe that. God honored you, called you, coheres with Christ, sons and daughters of a living God. You've been honored. You've been recognized. This and nothing, nothing will satisfy that need and want for honor and recognition then like that. Nothing will come close. And from knowing that, I'm humbled to continually seek and search within myself, to consider others before myself, to be wary of my pride and to be willing to, to be humble and think of others before myself because God honored me. Does that make sense to you? I leave you with this. Today, acknowledge your pride. I did even more when I did this sermon. Today, acknowledge your pride. Today, just have this conversation, even now, as I sing in this last song. Actually, I'm going to skip the song again. I don't know. Should we skip the song or you want to sing this song? All right. Listen, today, as I sing in this song, acknowledge your pride. Just sit there and call out to God, have mercy on me. A sinner, for Jesus' sake, have mercy on me, oh God, right? I give my life to you today, Jesus. I humble myself. I surrender to you, oh God. If you live this out and you continually fight this good fight, one day you will stand before Jesus and you will hear these words, these words of honor, well done, my good and faithful servant. To God be the glory. Have a great day.